2: Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.
3: Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
4: They've been playing the game their entire life
1: from the playground.
5: I promise to exercise and eat right.
1: Don't forget sixty minutes of play a day, right?
6: I'm playing the NFL. Yes, sir. Be drafted number one.
1: Maybe to their
4: high school. That's here, gentlemen. Clear eyes, full hearts.
7: Can't Let's lose. go play
8: some football. Let's go. To the. We have 95 players here, so accomplished as athletes in high school, we gave them full scholarships to the best football program in the country.
4: Now their lives are about to change forever.
6: Become your mom's favorite player.
4: Whoa. This is Locked On NFL, and this is the Locked On Podcast Network, Mock Draft. Welcome to Day 3 of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. We have gone through 13 picks so far in the first round of an NFL Mock Draft. We are into picks 14 through 20 on today's show. That means it begins with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, then Denver Broncos at 15, Atlanta Falcons 16, Dallas Cowboys 17, Miami Dolphins with their second pick in this draft at 18, The Raiders with their second pick at 19 and the Jaguars with their second pick at 20. That will be the teams on the clock in today's show. But I happen to know there is heavy trade talk happening right now in multiple spots there. So I have a feeling there is going to be a shakeup on today's episode, Matt. It's been a fun run so far. Top 13 picks. Not a ton of surprises. There has been one trade so far.
8: Yeah, it's been fun for sure. I love the input from the entire Locked On Network. I hope everyone's enjoying it as much as they did last year. We have a lot of new listeners. This is their first go-around. It is an extravaganza for sure. And we have Tampa on the clock, and they kind of fell a little bit in no man's land here. I mean, the tackles are gone. I think they'd love to have gotten Andrew Thomas or one of the other three. Would you go with one of the receivers? That seems like overkill. There's not an interior lineman to take. Kinlaw is kind of exciting, but the secondary in Tampa is in a lot better shape than people realize. So this doesn't add up so great for them.
4: Yeah. I think that offensive tackle, when you look at this, you think, Oh man, maybe Tampa has to try to make a move up Win now mode, obviously with Tom Brady, if tackle is truly what they want, maybe they're okay because they still have, like you mentioned, there's a few blue chippers still left on the board, I think. And uh, there's still one of those top three wide receivers that is universally thought of as the top group and the top tier of receivers in this draft, Javon Kinlaw is an animal of a defensive tackle with a ton of upside. C.J. Henderson, 4.39 speed at cornerback. There is still a first-round caliber quarterback, I think, out there. There's some really high upside players at other positions in this draft that are still available. Some stud uh, interior, or at least one stud interior offensive lineman that I could see going at some point, starting in the middle and, and a few corners that that are worthy of mid to late first round picks. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could go in a number of directions. We'll check in with Locked On NFL Draft, Trevor and Ben. Again today, we'll check in with the Draft Dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. All of the hosts making selections for their teams. We're hearing from all the college hosts that are breaking down these prospects, vignettes, and player profiles. A ton of fun. Let's go over the first 13 picks here before we find out what's going on with Tampa. At pick 14. And it was Joe Burrow. Quarterback out of LSU. At number one. And by the way. If you haven't heard the first couple episodes of this. Go back and listen to those. And uh, just a spoiler alert here. On how this thing has gone through the first 13 picks. And it's well worth a listen. Every day of this podcast special. Joe Burrow number one. To the Bengals. Washington takes Chase Young. Defensive end from Ohio State Two, Another Ohio State defender. Jeffrey Okuda. Cornerback to the Detroit Lions at three. The Chargers traded up from six to four. To draft Two attack of Vialoa, quarterback from Alabama. Justin Herbert, quarterback from Oregon, goes to Miami at five. New York Giants, who move back from four, select the first tackle in this draft, Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa at six. Pick seven, Isaiah Simmons, linebacker from Clemson to the Carolina Panthers. The Arizona Cardinals select Jedrick Wills, offensive tackle from Alabama at eight. Pick nine, Jacksonville Jaguars take defensive tackle, Derek Brown from Auburn. The Cleveland Browns select. Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle from Georgia at 10, pick 11. This was the end of the run of the first four offensive tackles. Makai Beckton goes from Louisville, offensive tackle to the New York Jets. Then a run on wide receivers here, back-to-back to, back to end yesterday's show. C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma to the Raiders, and Jerry Judy from Alabama to the 49ers at 13. The draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino setting the scene for today's action.
9: It's day three of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Show, and Kyle, I'm really excited to see what happens today, given this is the aftermath of you know, all the offensive tackles being off the board, and there's that one wide receiver that's dangling in Henry Ruggs. This is where I think the draft starts to not hold serve as much as it did in the first 13 picks.
3: Right. You have some stability here in the the first third of the draft and you kind of have have pegged and pieced teams and players together. And now we're at a spot where some real chaos can start to unfold. We observed yesterday, Joe, how we didn't see any action. We were expecting to see some trades and moving up and down the board and we didn't quite get what we were banking for on that regard. Well, I'll be interested to see with Henry Ruggs, who you mentioned, still available. He is the last of the big three wide receivers. It's been well documented that the Denver Broncos at 15 are pretty interested in his services. Uh, You've got some other teams in need of some speed. You've got the Philadelphia Eagles at 21, who would probably love to add his services. The Minnesota Vikings at 22, who traded away Stefan Diggs. That would be the name for me, that if we're going to look to see some fireworks, that would be where I'd put the gold star.
9: Well, and you have you know Tampa's slated to pick here at 14. It's been long thought that uh, they're in Mark offensive tackle, but none of the top four fell to them. Do they reach for a Josh Jones, or is this an opportunity where they maybe pull the trigger on Henry Ruggs themselves, Right, adding a speed player like that to Tom Brady in this Tampa Bay offense. So I think there's going to be some drama here as the uh, next uh, slate of picks here unfold.
3: Right. And the one more thing that I would earmark here is we have teams at the end of today's slate in the Dolphins, Raiders and Jaguars that have already picked once already, all three of these teams. So that's another interesting subplot. You know, do we see some moving and shaking up or down the board? Uh, How do they want to choose to attack the multiple needs on their rosters? So that would be where I would put the earmark as far as if we're looking at the back half of today's action. You know, is somebody going to move back, try and pick up more picks with each one of these teams at an interesting juncture where they seem to be prioritizing picks and drafting by volume, but that's it for us. Now let's, let's kick this thing off and see what happens.
4: Matt, I'm looking here at this fancy mock draft schedule. We have those of you listening at home can't see it, but it's pretty and it's color coded for the teams. (laughs) And I don't know exactly what. Tampa Bay's new uniform colors, if they've changed the name from whatever pewter and and whatever else their color scheme is. I know they've got a new uniform look happening there, but I'm looking at the screen right now and it is not pewter. The color for pick 14 oh. is purple. And that is the purple of the Minnesota Vikings who have made a trade. The Vikings have moved up to pick 14. They are now on the clock making a move maybe for a wide receiver? Is it for a corner? They could go a few directions here, in Minnesota, but they have those two first round picks and they're a team that wants to win now as is Tampa, but maybe the board didn't fall well for Tampa and maybe there's a player there that the Vikings said, yeah, we got to go up and get this guy.
8: Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the Vikings after the Diggs trade and the release of Rhodes and you know, really three corners left town. Now they have two first round picks. I think they have to come out of this draft with a projected starting receiver and a projected starting corner, and at both those positions right now, I think there's a clear lead dog. You know, Rugs at receiver, Henderson at corner. Which one do you think do you feel better about getting later in the draft? Um, Rugs is obviously a very different style than what they've had, just in tr- terms of true speed on the outside. And Henderson's more of a press man guy that might not excite them. So uh, I'm curious what style of player they're going to attack here.
4: You have to think about, and those players are really close for me, Henderson and Henry Ruggs, both high upside players. You think about, okay, well, the the draft is really deep at wide receiver, but is it more of a, an immediate need for the Vikings than corner? Can they get a, a really good corner that they feel better about at the end of, Round one here in the twenties than they can wide receiver. It's an interesting conversation for the Vikings, but the pick is in, so let's go find out from Luke Braun, host of Locked On Vikings, who is standing by with the selection at fourteen in the locked on NFL mock draft.
6: Okay, surprise, surprise. The Vikings are in this spot. I decided I wanted to trade up into this area and target one of the big three wide receivers between Lamb, Judy and Henry Ruggs. I made this deal when uh, San Francisco was on the clock, but I saw that both Judy and Ruggs were on the board. And I figured, hey, yeah, if if San Fran takes one of them, I'll take the other one. I was kind of hoping that he would go with Ruggs and I would get Judy. But alas, uh, Brian Peacock over there at Locked On 49ers took Jerry Judy and I'm here with Henry Ruggs. But I am not mad about that at all. So here's the thing. The Vikings just traded away Stefan Diggs. They need a playmaker bad. Right now they have Adam Thielen, who's coming off a hamstring injury. He's going to be 31. They have Tajay Sharp, who's not a playmaker at all. He's like consistent, but he's fine. And BC Johnson and a whole bunch of like unrosterable guys. So they need like a playmaker in a really bad way, especially to uh, help nurture Kirk Cousins, who needs that kind of playmaking ability. He's not Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. He's not going to be the person who is like the engine of the offense. He's an executor of good scheme and somebody who can get the ball to playmakers efficiently. And if you think about the scheme the Vikings ran with Gary Kubiak and uh, Kevin Stefanski last year, and they will pretty much run the same thing since Kubiak's sticking around, that's a lot of play action, deep looks, and Henry Ruggs is the kind of burner you want for that. But he's not just a 40-time, and there's guys that are just a 40-time. I think of like John Ross, right? He was just a 40-time, and that's kind of why he struggled to get going in the league. Ruggs has dynamic yards after the catch ability. He's a better route runner than he gets credit for. He's stronger than he gets credit for. There's nothing he does that's like bad. He's just dynamic and he makes things happen and that's exactly what you need to give kirk cousins to have success in an offense that just lost stefan diggs As for the trade, I gave up 22 and the second round pick 58 to move up to 14. I think I probably overpaid, but I'm okay with it because I have another pick and a whole bunch of people are going to want to come back in for a quarterback. So I'm hoping that I can trade back for a King's ransom, come ahead, come out ahead of all of this with like more capital than I started with and have a superstar in Henry Ruggs to close up a huge gaping hole in the Vikings
10: offense. Henry Ruggs, wide receiver the University of Alabama. Alabama produces freakish athletes almost every year, but Ruggs might be the freakiest athlete of the Saban era, unbelievably. Ruggs is a 5'11", 190-pound fearless dynamo. Known far and wide for his dunking ability in high school, Ruggs loves to go up and catch the ball at its highest point. However, it usually doesn't come to that, as Ruggs is the fastest receiver in this draft class. He dazzled general managers at the combine running a 4.240. Do yourself a favor and check out Ruggs' high school highlights on the basketball court for reference. You will see exactly what I mean when I tell you he's one of the freakiest athletes that Saban has ever signed. I also had the pleasure of calling Henry Ruggs when he played in the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game. He returned the opening kickoff for the game's only touchdown. To check out more about Henry Ruggs, follow me and Jimmy Stein as we discuss all things Alabama on Locked
4: On Bama. And it was the speedster. four-two-seven fastest man in the draft. Henry Ruggs, wide receiver out of Alabama goes to the Vikings, who moved up from 22 to 14 to select this player.
8: Yeah, and you, you look at who's next on the board at Denver at 15, and pretty much every mock in the world has Ruggs going to Denver. And there's been a lot of speculation. He's not going to make it that far. And so this could be very realistic. You get ahead of the Broncos. You take the, the special speed player. You play in a dome. You know, I mean, just unleash him, and you want to run the ball a lot. I have always said that I think Ruggs has a – Big trickle effect to the rest of the offense he plays with. I'm sure Dalvin Cook will be real happy that Ruggs is on the field.
4: Do you have any reservations about Henry Ruggs and the lack of production compared to some of his teammates? We just saw his teammates, they back-to-back Alabama wide receivers at 13 and 14. Ruggs was the number three wide receiver on his own college team. Does that worry you at all? Or is it that just the style of player he is, that he makes big plays and that can open up an offense and quick strike? I mean, he scored touchdowns on a quarter of the times he touched the ball 98 catches in his college career he scored 24 touchdowns which is kind of crazy so play action uh, offense a lot of play action for the Vikings is the lack of production something that worries you at all for rugs or is he just a different type of player where you can't put him in the same boxes as you might put with other wide
8: receivers well the, the tape the prospect the athleticism the speed doesn't worry me but I do trust analytics and this would be a pretty good battle of target share versus efficiency because he's like the best in the world in efficiency really poor in target share and those are two things that really translated over the years to being a successful pro so he's got a lot of one and none of other
4: and the argument about the target share too with henry ruggs is that well, one of those wide receivers that was playing ahead of him and getting targeted more than him in college already got selected in this draft, and then they've got another couple of first-round picks probably on that offense at wide receiver at Alabama because they're just stacked. So you can't really compare his target share in Alabama to maybe another receiver's target share in another offense with without all of those five-star athletes in college.
8: No doubt. I mean, like, if him and Brandon Ayuk changed places and he was at Arizona State, I'm sure he would have caught more balls. But they're also the the analytics folks don't seem to care much about that. They they're not buying that argument. They'll tell you, well, Watkins and Hopkins and Mike Williams and T. Higgins, they all became the man. They they were in a pretty crowded wide receiver room too in Clemson.
4: That's a great point. Andre
8: Johnson and Reggie Wayne and yeah. you know what I mean, like stud receiver rooms.
4: Right. Uh, Rugs isn't the first wide receiver to come from a stud program with a bunch of five-star recruits at his position group. So this is going to, it's an interesting one. And not only did they select this player in the first round that had only 700 and something yards, but they moved up to get him. So this will be an interesting test case, I think for Henry Ruggs. but man, the NFL loves speed and speed kills in the NFL. So I can totally see why they would be enamored with this prospect and want to go up to get one of the top receivers on their board. When there is a perceived gap that could be for some teams really big between the top three receivers in this class and the rest of the receivers in a deep class and who knows maybe the Vikings can dip back in to the wide receiver position they won't be doing it in the second round because they traded number 58 overall with 22 to get up here to 14 I like it for the Vikings and I like it for Tampa with how the board fell
8: yeah we just said Tampa didn't really have a great landing spot Maybe they get in on the fifth or sixth tackle if that's where they want to go, or maybe that's a running back spot for Tampa. I mean, think of Jonathan Taylor in that offense or something like that. That's intriguing.
4: 14 is right before 15, and who's picking at 15? That is the Denver Broncos, who also have a need at wide receiver, and you see Henry Ruggs being mocked to Denver at 15 really a lot. It's the most common pick that I see associated with the Denver Broncos at 15, Broncos are now on the clock. Where do the Denver Broncos go here? There's still some really good prospects on the board. Are they a good fit for Denver? Could we see some more trade action at 15?
8: Yeah, this stings. I mean, I think they would have ran the card to the podium for rugs or if by chance, Judy or Lamb, whoever. Um, I think it's a smidge early for Jefferson, and I think that they really would want a speed element opposite Sutton considering, you know, Fant and Sutton are their young guys. You want a burner. But I've often talked about my my sweet 16 in this draft and they're picking 15 and two of my sweet 16 are still there. And C.J. Henderson and Kinlaw, it isn't the number one need, but they're disruptive positions that are, you know, highly sought after. Either one of those would make perfect sense. You say you traded for Jarrell Casey. Kinlaw could kind of wait and he is a raw prospect. You could just use him sparingly or Henderson could come out and be a you know, shutdown-type corner for you possibly in time and play a lot of man coverage with him. But in this defensive scheme, Fangio Fangio does a good job of making the corner's life a little easier. You know, He doesn't need supreme A-plus corners, and I think he would prefer the D-tackle of the two.
4: It's front seven first for Vic Fangio, but he does yeah. like speed at cornerback, and he does like good corners, and... When he was defensive coordinator for the 49ers, they spent money on that position, and uh, you know, he's a defensive guy, so I'm sure he's going to be fighting for uh, one of those defenders right here at pick 15 for the Denver Broncos. And that selection is in. and we've got Cody Rourke, host of Locked on Broncos standing by with the pick for, Denver at 15..
5: Yeah.
4: With the
7: 15th pick in the 2020 locked-on NFL draft, the Denver Broncos select Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle from South Carolina. Now, this is a player that will come into the Vic Fangio style of defense and make an instant impact as a rookie. And this is a move to be considered best player available. The Broncos' options of Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, or CeeDee Lamb were taken off the board in this year's mock draft before the Broncos were able to pick at pick number 15. So with the best player approach philosophy that Broncos Broncos. Broncos head coach Vic Fangio mentioned the team would likely be using, Javon Kinlaw is that guy. And will they start right away? Well, I think when you take a look at Javon Kinlaw and his productivity and how big he is, the Broncos could start him right away at the nose tackle position. Yes, in the offseason, they traded a seventh round pick for defensive lineman Jarrell Casey from the Tennessee Titans, who could also play defensive tackle, who could also play defensive end. They did tender Mike Purcell, but if the Broncos won an interior pass rush against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, Javon Kinlaw is the right guy for the position, and he will see immediate playing time right away. And they do fill a position of need because Jarrell Casey, the Broncos can get out of that contract after one year, and Mike Purcell is tendered, so he's only back for one season guaranteed as well. So this fulfills a long term need at the position for a pass rusher on the defensive interior. And how will they help the Denver Broncos compete in the next season? Well, you plug him into Vic Fangio's defense. Let's project a lineup of Jarrell Casey and Shelby Harris at defensive end and Javon Javon Kinlaw at that nose tackle position, either lined up in a zero tech or a one tech. He is a guy that has violent hands and a lot of power to be able to create separation between guards and centers. He's good at shedding double team blocks, and he's able to get in the backfield to collapse the pocket interior for a quarterback with guys like Von Miller and Bradley Chubb crashing on the outside, collapsing the pocket around the quarterback. That's a big focal point of this Broncos defense where pressure bursts pipes, and that's the goal that they have. And Javon Kinlaw does make the Denver Broncos a better football team. And in a tough AFC West division where the Broncos finished 7-9 and last season, they could benefit big time from that interior pass rush, which they didn't have much of in 2019. So it could make them better. It could make them a contender to win the AFC West. And I do project that Javon Kinlaw's productivity in the upcoming season could be around a borderline of five sacks while plugging down the interior gaps for the Broncos' run defense. For Vic Fangio, a guy like Javon Kinlaw would be very competitive. Comparable to Akeem Hicks, who he had worked with in Chicago, who could play the defensive end position, who could play on the interior of that defensive line. And Hicks saw a tremendous production in a Vic Fangio style of defense. So ultimately, the Denver Broncos get a long term position of need fulfilled, even with Shelby Harris being in his final season as a Denver Bronco. As of right now, on a one year deal, you look at Mike Purcell being tendered back on a one year deal and Jarrell Casey being 30 years of age, entering year number 10 of his career in the National football league you want a young guy like Javon Kinlaw to come in right away and make an instant impact.
11: Javon Kinlaw All-American defensive tackle South Carolina. Kinlaw tallied six sacks and was generally a disruptive force for the Gamecocks throughout his junior and senior seasons most notably in an upset over Georgia. Kinlaw harassed Jake Fromm throughout that game and his pressure helped lead the defense to four turnovers including a pick six late in that game. In his four years at Carolina, Kidlaw played his best against his stiffest competition. This behemoth was also disruptive in special teams. Kidlaw blocked three kicks in his career. He affected numerous others. Also exhibited dedication to his craft. He dropped 40 pounds, transformed his body during his sophomore season. So that shows you what he can do when he puts his mind to it. Kinlaw had flirted with declaring for the draft after his junior season, but returned for his senior campaign and really boosted his stock due to some jaw-dropping performance Against quality blockers like Georgia that we just mentioned, now what do you do when a jumbo athlete like Kenlaw gets that six foot five inch, three hundred thirty pound frame rolling in the right direction? Well, mostly you can just pray and hope. He's also cat quick, ox strong. His build and abilities could fit him inside in a four three or even outside in a three four alignment. Only concerns for Ken Law are that high-maintenance body and did he in fact disappear against lesser competition – Or was he just engaged in double teams? Well, NFL evaluators can decide that through their film study. It does speak well of Kinlaw that he won the team's unselfish teammate award, perhaps meaning he wasn't as inconsistent as some observers believe as much as he was eating up multiple blockers to free up his teammates. If Kinlaw's weight issues are behind him, there's really little that can stop this Goliath from being effective in the NFL against the run and as a factor in the pass rush. This is Matt Smith for Locked On Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
4: And the Broncos went with the high upside defensive tackle, Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina. Matt, how do you like the fit? How do you like the player Kinlaw here at 15?
8: I like it quite a bit. I mean, I've seen a board or two you know, media that has Kinlaw as their top defensive tackle, which I'm not that there yet but when you look at the Chris Jones and DeForest Buckners and these longer athletic guys that can run you can understand the allure I mean they're really hard to get blocked they disrupt throwing lanes they're always in the quarterback's face they're just freaky players and I think Kinlaw fits that bill might not come in and light the world on fire as a rookie but I'm not sure they need him to.
4: 65324 he's got long arms you see highlight clips of him where he is so athletic and he is so strong and he can uh, get into the backfield and make a ton of plays sometimes plays a little high which some taller players tend to but you know a moldable ball of clay for a defensive line coach. I think if you're looking at him in a 3-4 defense, he's a perfect fit for your five technique and then rushes from the inside when you have your four down linemen in nickel. So a great fit there for what Vic Fangio does in Denver on the defensive side of the ball. High upside prospect into Javon Kinlaw, certainly worth the selection here at 15. And then you have to wonder if you are the Broncos, what do you do at wide receiver? And that's still uh, a glaring need, I think, on that Denver offense now they got to spend some uh some draft capital on that side of the ball
8: yeah and you mentioned the other day they have what three third round picks so yes maybe they move to the end of the first round or beginning of the second and grab uh somebody that can run
4: right yeah somebody that Has that speed element. We talked about how Ruggs would be a nice fit in Denver. He wasn't the only fast football player in this draft. They do have some extra picks to work with. So we'll see if the Denver Broncos are active later on in this draft. When we come back, we have pick 16. The Atlanta Falcons are now on the clock. Then it's the Dallas Cowboys, Miami Dolphins, Las Vegas Raiders, and Jacksonville Jaguars on the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a 12-pack of beers while you watch the game, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast. And yeah, getting those beverages on top of dinner is key. And if you're like me, you probably start thinking about what you want to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. You love food. That's why you'll love Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make life easier with grocery deliveries, convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store, which is so key right now. No more late night fast food runs. You don't have to worry about where you're going to grab lunch. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android. Find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDONNFL. That's code LOCKEDONNFL for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it.
5: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
4: Okay, Matt, we have talked about it on the show. You and I both, making our big boards separately, had 16 players, the same 16 as well as our blue chip prospects are clear round one talents and then there was a little bit of a gap and we liked different players after that but we both thought there was a clear 16. I saw an article recently from Peter King and he had Gil Brandt give his big board and he also had a top 16 so that makes me feel a little bit better the great Gil Brandt had the same top 16 prospects as I had which makes me feel better about my scouting ability here when it comes to the NFL draft. Atlanta Falcons, who are now on the clock here at pick 16. There is only one of those players left. That would be C.J. Henderson, who also happens to be a fantastic fit for the Falcons. I'm running up the card if I'm the Falcons, but uh, I mean, I guess there could be some other directions they go, right?
8: I guess. I mean, I could see them or anyone, you know, really wanting to get their hands on chase on the edge from LSU. Um, After that, I mean, Gross Matos has some interest there. I I think without question, this would have to be a defensive player for Atlanta. Their offense looks very set to me. I mean, unless they were going to do the Jordan Love thing and just sit him behind Matt Ryan, I don't think that's where this organization or coaching staff is at, though. Like you said, of the Sweet 16, they're picking 16. Just give me who's available, and that's Henderson.
4: Aaron Freeman is standing by with the pick. It didn't take long for the Falcons to think about this one. Locked on Falcons' war room with a selection. Pick 16
1: in the locked on NFL mock draft. So, our plan A with the Falcons' 16th overall pick in round one was to see if Javon Kinlaw, the D tackle from South Carolina, would fall for us. Unfortunately, we got very close, but no cigar. Our plan B was to explore some trade back opportunities, and given the large number of depth needs that need to be filled out on this Falcons roster, Picking up some extra picks on day two or three of this year's draft is definitely a priority. We knew that the Indianapolis Colts were interested in trading up for a quarterback, and with Jordan Love still on the board, we called them about making a trade back. But uh, we got the feeling that they already had a handshake agreement with another team picking behind us, and thus our negotiations never really bore any real fruit for us. So that left us with plan C, or rather plan CJ, because in no shape or form do we feel like we're settling. We're taking what we believe is the second best cornerback in this year's draft class in Florida, CJ Henderson. And boy, we definitely needed help at the cornerback position. We already have some young corners in Isaiah Oliver and Kendall Sheffield, two early round picks from the last two drafts. But with the release of Desmond Trufant earlier this offseason, we're still in desperate need for more help. And in Henderson, we believe that he's a player with number one corner lockdown potential. He's going to step in right away for us in Trufant's vacated left cornerback spot and give us the size, length and speed and athleticism that makes us feel very confident at some point in the very new future, possibly even this season. He's going to give us even more ability than what Trufant provided, who was a very productive and reliable cover man for us over the last seven seasons. Playing in the NFC South, we're faced with some of the premier receivers in the NFL and Mike Evans and Michael Thomas. You also have emerging ones like DJ Moore and Chris Godwin. Not to mention our rivals also picked up big time free agents like Robbie Anderson and Manuel Sanders this offseason. Not to mention our 2020 schedule features further matchups against receivers like Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Amari Cooper, Kenny Galladay, Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, Allen Robinson, DK Metcalf, and much, much more. We got big receivers, we're facing fast receivers, and Henderson is exactly the type of corner that not only has the size and length to handle the big guys, but the speed and athleticism to handle the fast guys and everybody else in between. So some might knock Henderson because he wasn't always the most reliable in run support, but our coaching staff led by Dan Quinn believes that we can teach and improve tackling and the results we've seen in recent years with players like Trufant Oliver and Robert Alford. Make us fully believe that any concerns about Henderson's toughness are fully overblown. So, we're drafting him to be our matchup guy, and we think he's going to be a huge piece of the puzzle and be our lockdown guy the minute he steps on the field this year and for many years to come.
12: C.J. Henderson, Florida cornerback, 6'1", 204 pounds, declared early for the NFL Draft after earning first-team All-SEC honors in 2019. He finished his three-year career with the Gators with 92 tackles, six interceptions, 22 pass breakups, Four sacks, and seven tackles for loss in 34 games played. Half of the 22 pass breakups in his career came in his junior season when he led the Gators with 11. He also finished with 32 tackles in a career-high 8 against South Carolina. Some of his top moments from his career came in 2019, the season opener against Miami when he broke up the pass in the end zone. He also had a pass breakup in the end zone at LSU against Jamar Chase. But I think the play that I'll remember him for Florida fans will remember him for and certainly Gators defensive coordinator Todd Grantham will remember him for was the 2018 game at Tennessee when C.J. Henderson showed off his 4.39 speed and ran down what would have been a touchdown for the Volunteers. He ran all the way across the field and cut off the Tennessee ball carrier before he could get into the end zone. Todd Grantham said that it was one of the most incredible plays that he had seen in his coaching career, and afterwards he called C.J. Henderson the best college cornerback that he had ever coached. Now Henderson's strengths are certainly his speed with his 40-yard Dash. He was also a high school track star. He plays with a lot of athleticism and a really good size. He was a running back in high school, and you could really see that with the way that he can swivel his hips with no resistance in his transitions. He has a really explosive closing burst, and he's also a physical corner as well. He's not afraid to attack and run support or come in on a cornerback blitz. Now, some of his weaknesses are that he struggles at times trying to adjust to the ball when he has his back to the quarterback, and it certainly seemed throughout his career that he does much better in man coverage than he does with zone. Sometimes he would lose sight of his receiver when he was in zone coverage. And the other area that I've seen Henderson criticized for is that many analysts feel like he was more competitive during his 2018 season than he was in 2019, almost as if he was saving himself for the NFL Draft, and while that may have been true at times, he was also injured throughout the season. He missed three games during his junior campaign, and that definitely had an impact on his ability to compete and go at 100%. I think moving on to the next level where he's projected to be a first-round pick, he can spend the offseason to get healthy, and if he can come into a defensive scheme where he's going to be asked to play man coverage and sit out there on island that is where he's going to excel and make his money in the nfl this is zach albaverde of locked on gators your source for florida content every day
4: and no surprises here it was cj henderson the cornerback from florida and he can fly he ran a four three nine at the combine uh, and has size to go with it so sticky coverage ability athletic ability C.J. Henderson, slam dunk pick for me here, just under 6'1", 204 pounds. Nowhere else to go here, in my opinion.
8: Yeah, I 100% agree. And to get a player like this at right in the middle of the first round, you should be pretty happy. It works out very well for Atlanta. I think they they fell in a nice spot at 16 when it's all said and done that they'll get one of these type of guys, Henderson or Kinlaw.
4: When I was doing my personal mock draft. Henderson was gone and Kinlaw was the pick here and is still a very easy pick. I mean, you just feel good if you are the Falcons that you're going to sit there and you have one of those blue chippers in my mind that's available. But you know how unpredictable the NFL draft can be. So I wonder if there might be a shakeup and some players that aren't in our top 16 going in that top 16 that could start to push some players down toward a team like, say, the Dallas Cowboys, who are currently on the clock. Where do you go? Do you have a seventeenth player? I know there are some teams out there that I mean it's we get into some groupthink here. There's teams that are going to have wild boards. They're going to have twenty guys in their, their first round solid grades. There's going to be teams that have you know thirteen players in their list of players that they really like as blue chip talents. Do the Cowboys here at seventeen have another player there, or do you think they just go strictly need? I I think you can't count out even though interior offensive linemen aren't. Positionally valuable as much as an edge rusher or a cornerback. I don't think you can count out the best interior guy in this draft like Cesar Ruiz. There are a couple of pass rushers. You mentioned Kayla Von Chason, who has all the athletic ability, might be a little undersized for a pure 4 3 defensive end. There's Gross Matos who does have the size to be that every down defensive end. Uh, there's a number of ways the Dallas Cowboys could go cornerback, but it starts to get a lot more difficult for me to try to peg where a team's going to go here in the back half of round one.
8: Yeah, I, I don't like being the 17th pick because of that sweet 16 philosophy we have. The The Cowboys certainly could benefit if chase on goes or more likely maybe a a fifth offensive tackle goes off the board. We know that position is always coveted or you know, most likely maybe it would be someone trades up for Jordan Love in the early teens and just loves, you know, adores him, has to have him. But this went as we kind of expect. The best 16 are off the board. And you you hate to be that guy that takes the first or the third corners or reaches a little for Cesar Ruiz or they don't really need a linebacker like Murray or Queen. You need front-level defense or back-level defense. You would have loved for C.J. Henderson to fall to you. I would guess, you know, gun to my head, Chase on would be the pick here, you know, and he could – because of the need and edges go quick, but uh, I don't love where they're sitting.
4: You know what? I can guarantee you, Matt, the Dallas Cowboys will not reach here because the Dallas Cowboys will not pick here. We have another trade in the Locked On NFL mock draft, and it is a team that didn't even have a first-round pick coming into this thing. It is Evan Sidery, who has control of the Indianapolis Colts. They're coming all the way up from 34 In the second round, the second pick in round two, they have Washington's pick. They're trading that and their original second round pick at 44. So 34 and 44, they're coming up with the Cowboys, pushing the Cowboys all the way out of round one. It is now the Indianapolis Colts on the clock at 17. Is this for that quarterback, Matt?
8: I would think unless... They're in love with Chase on. I mean, that's the only one I could think of. Or maybe it's the next receiver. I mean, I, I could see Jefferson being that move, too. I mean, if you're thinking win now, just sign Rivers, maybe you get the LSU edge or wide out and say, I'm good. I got Buckner and that guy, and I'm in good shape. That'll do it for me. I'm going to sit out the second round where Dallas' the second round is going to be a blast. But usually people trade up for quarterbacks. With the
4: Colts on the clock, we'll find out momentarily who their selection is. Just thinking about this from the Cowboys, and we kind of laid it out there. The the board doesn't fall great for you. You have a ton of salaries you're going to have to pay out to some high-end players on your roster. That means you're going to have to fill the rest of your roster with depth. Having more draft picks, I think, is huge for the Cowboys. Need didn't meet value for them at 17. I love this move for the Cowboys, and we'll see if we love this move for the Colts when we find out who that selection is at 17.
8: Yeah, sounds good to me. And again, it's a good way of laying it out for Dallas. is It's nice to have a bunch of second-round picks. They don't hurt your cap a good deal. They're, frankly, not much different from the 17th pick. That seemed a little light, 34 and 44. But if I was picking 15-16, I wouldn't have said yes, but I'm picking 17, so I will say yes.
4: Let's find out who the Colts have at 17, who they could not wait to get. Standing by, Evan
13: Sidery in the Locked On Colts War Room. A surprising move just happened here in our mock draft as the Indianapolis Colts decided to move up, packaging their two second round picks, 34 and 44, to number 17 of the Dallas Cowboys to land their future franchise quarterback in Jordan Love. The, the boomer bust, the very much polarizing prospect from Utah State. Chris Bauer has long been a guy who has been targeting Jordan Love according to multiple reports. Zach for the athletic, mentioned before that Chris Bauer has his and watching Jordan Love for two plus years at this point, even before Andrew Luck retired. So they move up from 34 to get Jordan Love at 17, and he will not be starting right away. Jordan Love, as, as you guys know, Philip Rivers is a starting quarterback for the next year. Jacoby Brissett says they're very high-priced backup quarterback for 2020 at $20 million cap hit. So Jordan Love will be doing a full retro year in 2020 for the Colts. He will be nowhere near the field if Philip Rivers gets hurt. Jacoby Brissett will be the backup. It's a full redshirt year for Jordan Love as he needs to work on his mental processing and learning how to read the field, almost like Kansas City did with Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith a couple years back, and that did really well for them. Jordan Love will not help the Colts compete next year, but in the next year or two, if they let's say Phil Burris is a good year in 2020, they franchise tag him in 2021. Jordan Love will only be 24 years old during the 2022 season, but the Colts currently have no quarterbacks under contract past this upcoming season. So it means that they definitely are drafting a quarterback in 2020. The question is when and where. And in this scenario, we have the Colts moving up aggressively, using their two second round picks to go and get their guy in Jordan Love. Jordan Love will make this team a playoff contender and Super Bowl contender, I think, very consistently within the next three or four years, but definitely not right away. Maybe, whether it's in 2021 or 2022, Jordan Love will be the Colts starting quarterback in, for the next decade plus. I think Frank Reich is the best developer of quarterbacks, especially for a guy like Jordan Love, to land in a situation like this where he can do a full redshirt, maybe even a two years of a redshirt in this scenario because he definitely does need to land the perfect environment to help his skills, to help him reach his ceiling. And Frank Reich, Chris Bauer, the way they built this offense and defense, I think Jordan Love could step in right away after a year or two of seasoning and really help this team be a sustainable contender once more. Personally, I compare uh, Jordan Love to a guy like Matt Ryan. I know it's a very odd comparison off the surface there, but... I think Matt Ryan, he showed at Boston College last year. He threw a lot of interceptions, even more than Jordan Love did, his final year, Utah State. Matt Ryan threw 19 interceptions, Jordan Love threw 17. Based off that, we saw Matt Ryan do well in a system that really benefited his skill sets. And I think the Colts would do that, whether it's a year or two of sitting behind Rivers, that Jordan Love can really be the same thing. And athletically, I know Patrick Mahomes is out there a little bit for him. I don't want to throw a comparison on Jordan Love, but I think a player like that, maybe blending in on Mahomes, his ceiling and his arm talent, mixed with Matt Ryan his ability to really fix his turnover problems from Boston College. I it's the player you have in Jordan Love, and that's two more MVPs there. So if Frank Reck and Chris Bauer can really go up there and get Jordan Love and help develop him, I think it's a home run hit that the Colts just landed, getting up to 34 from 17. So that'll do it for us here from the Annapolis Colts War Room. The Annapolis Colts move from 34, using 34 and 44, the two second round picks, to go get Jordan Love. With the Dallas Cowboys number 17 overall. So the Colts are pushing their chips all in like they have this offseason and getting Jordan Love to be their new franchise quarterback. It's
14: Jordan Love, quarterback, Utah State. Love started earning national recognition two years ago in 2018 when he threw for a single-season school record 3,567 yards for the Aggies and ranked eighth in the entire country with 32 touchdown passes. The Bakersfield, California native did take a step back, however, as a junior in 2019. Love threw an FBS high 17 interceptions and had four games where his completion percentage was below 52%. So as Love sets his sights on the next level, his strengths are enough to leave NFL GM's mouths watering. At 6'4", 220, he checks all the boxes when it comes to size and stature. Love has good athleticism and mobility and is often at his best when he extends plays with his feet, either hitting receivers on the run or taking off to pick up positive yards. He's also got that gun slinger mentality and has the arm strength to back it up with the ability to squeeze throws into tight windows. But the former Utah State QB is not without his faults. His field vision and awareness took a huge step back last year, and he often throws careless balls into heavy coverage, either not recognizing what the defense is doing or putting the ball up for grabs regardless. So Love's cons mostly center around his decision-making, and that will certainly need to improve at the next level. But his arm talent and mobility go hand-in-hand with today's NFL. It's a bit of a calculated risk to take Jordan Love high in this year's draft. But with the proper development, you might strain your neck trying to find the ceiling for Love's NFL future. This is Ben Stevens of Locked On Big Ten, your source for Big Ten and college sports content every day.
4: And it was the quarterback, Matt. Jordan Love, quarterback from Utah State. The Colts going up to get their guy at pick 17 using both of their second round picks. To move up into the middle of the first round to draft their quarterback presumably of the future a little bit of a crowded quarterback room now in Indianapolis
8: yeah and maybe you get a second or a third for Brissett. maybe there's another shoe to drop and you go into camp with Rivers as your clear starter love as the Mahomes plan just sit them all year Rivers' contracts up after the year Hopefully, hand it off to the young guy from there and win a million games and win the Super Bowl and league MVP like Mahomes has with the Chiefs. I just don't like love that much as a prospect. To be honest with you, I, I think there's a w- very very low ceiling. But I understand the logic and I understand people that do love love.
4: One thing is clear: is they brought in Philip Rivers because they that tells you what they thought about Jacoby Brissett as their long term guy and their short term guy. He's he's not mm-hmm. the guy for them. So. If Brissette's not even a factor in this anymore, then I think you've got to go find your quarterback of the future. And in this draft class, Jordan Love, clearly the the fourth best guy. Some people have talked about him being ahead of Justin Herbert because they're both toolsy players that that might have a, a little bit of a, a ways to go as far as development. I think with Herbert, just with his ability at the Senior Bowl and what he did at the Combine, just I think, you know, and, and the interceptions from Love... Last season, I think he had a better year in 2018 than 19. I think that really is what separated Herbert from Love. But some people actually like Love more. You don't sound like you're one of those people, but uh, it's an interesting move for the Colts to have such a big shakeup at the quarterback position. It's the most important position in sports. So if they can develop Love, who's got a nice situation to sit back, learn from an all-time great in Philip Rivers, I mean, this might be, you know, a former NFL quarterback is his coach. This might be the best landing spot for him.
8: Yeah. Oh, it could be. I think it's a great landing spot for him. There's a line in place. There's a great quarterback coach. There's a mentor. So, you know, you certainly aren't being asked to play right away. I think it works out very well for love. Um, The Colts though, and I, I would never give anyone a hard time for going and getting what they think is a franchise quarterback, but they started this process with the 13th pick and two nice second rounders And really all they got for this year was Buckner, who's a great player, but, you know, that's not the way I saw it. (laughs) That's
4: an interesting way to look at it. So with 13, 34, and 44, they paid $21 million a year, ended up with Buckner and and a future quarterback. So... That's, that's one way to break this down. And what would you rather have, A or B? And it's interesting. And, and Love is not going to help them most likely in 2020. But if he hits and he's your quarterback of the future, it's well worth it. Yeah.
8: And it's a great landing spot for him.
4: Absolutely. Okay, let's find out what the Draft Dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, think about the first four picks, day three of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft.
3: Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, the Draft Dudes here. And Joe, we have a trade. Yes. And anytime you get trades... You should not be surprised in the first round of the NFL drafted if it is for a quarterback. And that is exactly what we saw. The Indianapolis Colts, who were picking 13th and traded for DeForest Buckner before the draft and had the 34th pick, gave up 34 and 44 to jump up to 17 and draft quarterback Jordan Love of Utah State, who was attached to the Colts before the deal for DeForest Buckner. So, Joe, your reaction to this deal?
9: Yeah, this is uh, an interesting deal for the Colts. I mean, obviously Phillip Rivers is in the building now, but probably only a one-year answer as we started to see him start to decline last season. Uh, But certainly a a player that can uh, hold the seat warm this year, but then give way to Jordan Love, I think, who is more of a a projection to start in year two. Obviously, the physical skill set of Jordan Love is really exciting, and uh, he has a big arm and a quick release and Uh, He can win outside of structure and he's athletic. But the reality is, I think from a processing perspective, he'll be uh, very much a a, a benefit to him in his career to be able to sit and learn from a quarterback like Phillip Rivers for a season. And so I think this was a good job of the Colts having some foresight on the most important position on the field.
3: And if I look at this from the Dallas side of things, I think this is a big win for the Cowboys in a deep NFL draft class. And uh to to move back 17 spots and pick up another top fifty pick as a team that's looking to compete. You're gonna see some good football players on the board there at 34 when the Cowboys now pick first. Uh or were you surprised to see them be the team? You know, we we had teased at the top of the show, one of these teams, the Dolphins, Raiders, and Jaguars, who have multiple first round picks perhaps them being a team that's interested in moving down. That wasn't the case. The Cowboys chose to punt at 17 and and bet on the depth of this draft class at 34.
9: Well, I think maybe the real dagger for the Cowboys was when C.J. Henderson went off the board to the Falcons at 16, being able to get a top-tier cornerback like that, and um, feeling like maybe they found enough answers on the defensive line where this is a chance to move back to 34, gain 44, Still get a quality cornerback prospect, but it was C.J. Henderson or we're getting out of this pick.
3: And that's exactly what we saw happen, Joe.
9: Yes, it is. And we'll be anxious to see what happens here with the rest of these picks today. We had some trades already in the first four. And like Kyle mentioned at the beginning of the show, we have three teams now that have already made a pick in this draft. It'll be interesting to see how these draft classes start to come together for the Dolphins, Raiders and Jaguars.
5: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
4: The Miami Dolphins are on the clock now at pick 18 in the Locked On NFL Mock Draft. Let's go over really quick the the picks from today's action, 14 through 17. The Vikings moved up for Henry Ruggs at 14. Denver Broncos selected Javon Kinlaw, 15. At 16, it was C.J. Henderson, the corner from Florida to the Atlanta Falcons. And then the Indianapolis Colts making a big move up with the Dallas Cowboys to select quarterback Jordan Love from Utah State at 17. And now we have the Miami Dolphins, their second selection. In fact, the rest of today, we have teams that have two first-round picks. Or actually, the Dolphins have three first-round picks. They still have one to come. But they're on the clock here for the second time in round one at pick 18. 18. Still a lot of needs on this Miami Dolphins roster, but they got their quarterback, Justin Herbert, at five. How do things break down for you here at 18 for the Dolphins?
8: They invested an in offensive line in free agency, but, I mean, would it be bad to add Ruiz or Josh Jones or Austin Jackson? I mean, when in doubt, add more there. Could this be the first running back that falls? Um, I, I could mm. understand it. It probably wouldn't be the approach i take. Jefferson from LSU might be the best player on the board for me, and you don't often talk about receivers going to Miami, but what's so bad about that? Defensively, I mean, there are a couple intriguing ed- edge guys, Chase on gross mottos, those type of dudes. Would they love Zach Bond, you know, with the, the Patriots background? That seems a little early. They don't really need corner, and I don't know that I'd take a safety at this point.
4: I'm looking at the board the way it fell. You drafted your quarterback. Help him out. I like Josh Jones, the offensive tackle. That's probably where I would go here. Uh, There's, I think, a very low chance that someone like that falls to their final pick in round one at 26. And there is, you know, there are some edge guys. You might be able to find one of those guys still at 26. Running back, I would definitely wait on that. Even though, you know, I think we're getting to the point where there are some teams that might have a running back at the top of their draft board at this point uh, at the end of... Round one, but there's still a lot of ways and wide receiver. You're right. Help out your quarterback, wide receiver, offensive tackle. I might go to the offensive side of the ball here and stay there at pick 18. The pick is in. This is Kyle Krabs of the draft dudes and of the draft network and of locked on Dolphins. He's ready to select for Miami at pick 18.
3: With the 18th overall selection, the Miami Dolphins draft LSU pass rusher, Kayla Von chase on who is an exciting addition to this Miami Dolphins roster for the versatility that he brings. In a perfect world, the Dolphins have the chance to address the offensive line, specifically the offensive tackle position here at 18. But each of the big four are gone. The value simply was not there. And Brian Flores is going to love the prospect of working with Von Chason, who compares somewhat favorably to Jadavion Clowney, a player that the Dolphins reportedly made a run at, In the legal tampering period at the beginning of the 2020 free agency window, and also before the 2019 season, there were overtures with the Houston Texans about trading Clowney to the Dolphins. Brian Flores will now get a player in Calevon Chase on who's younger, has a higher pass rush ceiling in that he's more flexible. He's able to turn the corner at tighter angles, and also has that same ability to play in congested space and play the run. Chason described himself at the 2020 NFL Combine as a trilingual defender. He can rush the passer, he can play the run, and he can play in space against the pass as well. There's plenty of examples of all of those things littered across his tape. So for Brian Flores, yes, it stings to not be able to get one of these big four offensive tackles. But we saw Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, Andrew Thomas, and Mekhi Becton all gone by the 11th pick. The Dolphins didn't even sniff them. So this is a case of best player available meeting a perfect defensive system to make the most out of his versatility. If Caleb on chase on were to go to a place that was going to put him at defensive end and say, "Okay, go get him, go rush the passer off the edge. You would miss so much of what he has the value to bring because chase on has played stand up on the second level and runs twist game and inside pass rush. He's rushed off the edge. He's played zone coverage and played turn and run coverage on backs out of the backfield. Brian Flores getting this kind of defender, in addition to the free agent additions that they've made throughout the course of the 2020 offseason, this Dolphins defense is suddenly looking very fearsome. And Chason is the speed rush piece off the edge that this roster is still lacking. So to get him and get him at 18, it stings that it's not an offensive tackle, but by the time it's all said and done, you just watch Caleb chase on in this Dolphins defense is going to make a lot of sense and it's going to make a lot of quarterbacks uncomfortable. <laughs>
15: If you were to build a prototypical edge rusher in a lab, it would look a lot like Caleb Chasson. 6'4", 250 pounds, the junior outside linebacker came to LSU as a five-star recruit and one of the best edge rushers in the country. He backed up All-American Arden Key in 2017, and in 2018 as a sophomore, was expected to explode onto the scene. However, he tore his ACL against Miami in the season opener and missed the remainder of his sophomore season. Jasson had a lot to prove in 2019 as a junior, and he accomplished that mission. 60 total tackles, six and a half sacks, 13 and a half tackles for loss. on Chasson was a terror off the edge for teams to try to block and had some of his biggest moments in the biggest games of the season. He earned defensive MVP honors in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl as part of the semifinal of the college football playoff against Oklahoma. Not only is Chasson an elite edge rusher, he's also a dynamic leader. He was named one of LSU's permanent team captains in 2019 and also awarded the number 18 jersey. An LSU tradition passed down from previous number 18s, signifying your leadership on the team. Although there's a limited sample size of Chasson's work in college, whatever team drafts him is drafting a player with an enormous ceiling. This is Matt Moscona from Locked on LSU, your source for LSU content every day.
4: Kyle goes upside here for the Dolphins. Caleb on chase on I've seen him all over the place on analyst draft boards I've seen him get mocked as high as the New York Giants at four overall in this process I've seen him all the way back at the last couple of picks of round one but consensus he's somewhere in round one it depends on which team is going to fall in love with that athleticism he displayed on tape and when you look at the fit. I think this is where it starts to make sense for me for Chase on because of his athletic ability outside of the top 16 players in this draft that we have both talked about. Now you have that ball of clay in a defense that Miami runs where you can have him be that stand up outside linebacker and pass rusher. He can do things in coverage for you. He can come off the edge with that athleticism. You can mold that player into what you want in this kind of a multiple scheme on defense.
8: Yeah, and they're not winning the Super Bowl this year. I mean, they can bring them along slow, um, part of the big picture plan. I, I have no problem with it. You know, they they signed some edge guys that are BB minus players, but they don't have the upside. This guy does. So when in doubt, get a high value position like pass rusher. You know, edge guy does fit the scheme. So I'm cool with this.
4: You don't love the production, but you love no. the potential and you love the upside, and I think the fit is good. For the Miami Dolphins defense. And you mentioned it, they have some time. Develop this player. And when Chason's ready, it might be around the same time, you know, a year from now when Justin Herbert is ready. And this team is ready to really, really do big things and make a jump there in the AFC East. And one thing that's noted is the Miami Dolphins, with all of the draft capital they have, they have nine selections in the first two rounds, nine picks this year, next year. And right now they haven't used any of them to move up. So they're letting the board fall to them. How do you feel about the strategy of not going up to get your quarterback, not trying to move around and maybe get a different offensive tackle going from 18, a little bit higher for the dolphins and letting the board fall to them and add as many prospects as they can.
8: Well, they have the roster space. I mean, it's not like some of these other teams that can't afford to bring in 10, 12 guys in the rookie classes. There's not enough room on their roster. They ended up with Herbert, you know, you end up with chase on again, both high upside dudes. If these guys start hitting and clicking at the same time, you may be the Kings of the East. I mean, that's not that far-fetched. Um, I would have had a hard time passing on Josh Jones or Jefferson from LSU there. Um, but I understand the chase on pick.
4: And Caesar Ruiz, too. The I mean, don't sleep yeah. on the center. The best interior offensive lineman in this draft. We've seen interior offensive linemen go in this range and higher in recent years. And the teams that made those picks, if they got a pro bowl caliber interior offensive lineman did not regret it one bit in a little bit of a safer position. So uh, I'm looking for Cesar Ruiz to fly off the board at some point very soon. The Las Vegas Raiders are now on the clock at pick 19. They went with the wide receiver, the first wide receiver in this draft, CD lamb out of Oklahoma at 12 overall uh, the glaring need. Now on that defense, according to most people is, Cornerback and we've seen CJ Henderson off the board. We've seen Jeffrey Okuda off the board. They have their pick of everybody else at the cornerback position. Do you like the Raiders to go corner? Do you like the Raiders to go somewhere else at pick 19? Uh,
8: like another team that's two first, the Vikings, as we mentioned, it seems like its best case scenario is to go receiver corner, you know, and g- grab a high-end guy at both those positions. And they already got their wide out, so fine. Um, I think an edge guy like Chason would have been attractive to them too because with all respect to Cleveland Farrell, is he the answer or is he an interior pass rusher on throwing downs? Um, I don't think he's a special player. I don't want to be the team that takes the third corner, back to our earlier conversation, because I'm not sure who I would take. Maybe my attitude will change after I make my list in a couple days, but I think that's the position you should be shooting for here. I just don't know which guy.
4: Q is standing by. The pick is in for the Las Vegas Raiders at pick 19. Who will they take? Let's go to the Locked On Raiders war room and find out.
16: What's up? What's up? What's up? It's your boy Q back from Locked On Raiders podcast for pick number 19 in the Locked On NFL Mock Draft 2020 and felt really good about the pick that the Raiders had at number 12 of C.D. Lamb. Felt like they got one of the the top three wide receivers, something that they really, really needed. And so kind of let the rest of the board play out in between 12 and 19. The Niners go with Judy. The Vikings go with Henry Ruggs. So that's the top three wide receivers right there off the board, 12, 13, and 14. So I just kind of sat back and watched the rest of the, the board shake out. the the Colts make a big move and and get Jordan Love their quarterback of the future at number 17 so a lot of guys that I may have been interested in go off the board in between 12 and 19 and so there was a lot of different thoughts that I had going into my mind when I was selecting who I made the the choice maybe I should try to trade back and uh, collect a couple extra picks and then still get this same guy maybe I should go and get the quarterback of the future because I do think the Raiders come out of this draft with a quarterback Uh, you know but then you just kind of want to make sure that you get a a guy that you feel really good about and and address the area of need as well you like to go best player available but I always like to say best player available in position of need and and sometimes that may be the wrong decision to make Uh, this was a, a tougher pick for me I had to really really analyze and really think about who would be the best position thought about a safety thought about Xavier McKinney out of Alabama at the safety position but uh, the Raiders just signed Demarius Randall to a one-year $3.3 million deal, so I felt like safety in the first round was not necessary. Uh, linebacker has already been addressed in free agency with the pickup of Corey Littleton and Nick Kwiatkowski, so obviously linebacker wasn't a number one need because I was thinking about sliding in Kenneth Murray, the linebacker out of Oklahoma, but with two linebackers picked up in, in free agency, I figured the Raiders could wait till a later round to pick up another linebacker and uh, just really had a lot of going back and forth, back and forth on who the Raiders should pick here at number 19, because again, it's it's not as obvious as pick number 12. Pick number 12 felt to me like you had to go and get a wide receiver. The Raiders just had to do that. I think it's something that the whole league knows that the Raiders need is that number one wide receiver, so that was easy. But this number 19, I just kind of feel like you got a bonus pick, you got to get it right, you want to get a difference maker, but who is it going to be and what position are you going to address? I feel like the positions of need still are a running back, but you don't need to get a running back in the first round. You got one last year in Josh Jacobs, but you want to get a compliment to Josh Jacobs at some point in the draft. You got to get a defensive back at some point. You got to get a safety at some point. You're going to get a quarterback at some point. Probably going to get another wide receiver at some point. Almost thought about getting another wide receiver. Almost went double down and got Denzel Mims, a wide receiver, out of Baylor at the number 19 pick, but then thought that that might be a little bit high, a little bit rich for the Raiders when they really have a couple holes that they need to fill. So uh, Ultimately, man, went back and forth. Decided I was going to go with a defensive back. And I wasn't sure exactly which defensive back I was going to go with. Was I going to go with a Christian Fulton out of LSU? Was I going to go with a Trevon Diggs out of Alabama? Well, ultimately, I ended up going with A.J. Terrell, defensive back out of Clemson. And uh, look, I know that Mike Mayock and company love their Clemson guys. They have a uh, Trayvon Mullen on one side. They have him penciled in as a starter. So they have his uh, battery mate, basically, A.J. Terrell, who had one terrible game. It happened to be the national championship game, so everybody saw it. But then again, LSU made everybody look really, really bad. But A.J. Terrell, defensive to back out of Clemson. Pick number 19 for the Raiders on the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Show 2020.
11: A.J. Terrell, cornerback, Clemson. Terrell was part of a Tigers defense that held opponents to less than 14 points a game in each of the last two seasons under defensive coordinator Brent Venables. Folks, was 29-1 in A.J. Terrell's two seasons as a starter. And let's not forget, he produced the first points of that 2018 National Championship game against Alabama, When he took back a pick six to spark the route and help capture the Tigers' third title. Now, despite a lackluster showing in last season's title game to LSU, but let's be frank, LSU's receivers can make a lot of cornerbacks night really, really difficult. But overall, Terrell has a good case to be one of the first corners to come off the board at 6'1", 195 pounds, showed the ability to be physical uh, against the run in college. I think that's going to translate to the next level. The ideal size is there, uh, as we mentioned, 195 pounds. So is the speed. Terrell ran a 4440 at the NFL Combine. Now, he had issues in space against LSU in January, but overall, the film studies a net positive for Terrell. He had an outstanding run as Clemson's top cover corner over the last two seasons. So he's got all the necessary skills for success as an NFL corner. Now, he's not a classic ball hawk. He got only six interceptions over the last two seasons, but he's as steady as they come in coverage. He's not a risk taker but A.J. Terrell is willing to play within the framework of the defense and help prevent big plays. An almost certain first-rounder, Terrell's going to be a good fit for almost any defensive concept because he's got that healthy combination of intelligence and athleticism. Matt Smith, Locked On Clemson, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
4: Clemson cornerback A.J. Terrell, the pick here for... Las Vegas he had a great combine and this is something that I think we're going to see a theme at the end of round one is in the current state of where scouting process pretty much stopped in the lack of pro days. Those players who both worked out at the Combine and worked out well at the Combine have really helped themselves. A.J. Terrell is somebody who played a long time, played at a high level at a big-time school at Clemson. 6'1", 195 pounds, went to the Combine, ran 4 so really checked a lot of boxes in this postseason that some other cornerback prospects might not have been able to check with his size, length, and speed. I think that might have solidified himself into the first round in this cornerback conversation.
8: Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. I think that's well said. You know, maybe that's the edge over Diggs or somebody like that that you just don't know or you have questions about or concerns about. You don't have at least you have some more answers on this guy. Again, I don't want to be the team picking the third corner, but the position fits. I could see why people would be very high on Terrell, too.
4: Third team in a row that has their second pick of round one. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars now on the clock. The last selection on today's show at pick 20 overall in the first round. The Jacksonville Jaguars earlier on in round one at pick nine selected defensive tackle Derek Brown out of Auburn. Uh, They are rebuilding there in Jacksonville. Still a lot of needs on their roster. They could go in a number of different directions. Is there any prospects that are... Standing out to you that are left on the board here at this point at pick 20 in the Locked On NFL Mock Draft.
8: Well, this ties just into the conversation we just had about the Raiders. I'm not exactly sure which one I prefer, but a corner here makes an awful lot of sense. I mean, I do think this is when the corner runs could start. You know, this last 10-ish dozen picks or so in the round could be a lot of corners. With the Jags making perfect sense to be one of them. If there was a tight end, that would be great. There isn't. How about Jefferson from LSU? I keep going back to him. Like, why is he still on the board? I think he's a great player. It's not their biggest need. Um, you mentioned Jones earlier, too, the tackle. That would make some sense, too, because then you could bump some, you know, Robinson in the guard or something like that, too, and maybe get better at two position.
4: The pick is in. Let's go to the Jaguars' war room and find out who Jacksonville will select at pick 20 in the Locked On NFL
17: Mock Draft. With the 20th pick in the media mock draft here on Locked On Jaguars, the pick was obtained from the Los Angeles Rams in the Jalen Ramsey trade. I have the Jacksonville Jaguars reaching out west and taking USC tackle Austin Jackson. I think Austin Jackson gives them the versatility and gives them some competition at left tackle for Cam Robinson. And quite naturally, look, I believe he's going to win that job when the Jaguars select him. I think it's much needed. You have to protect the quarterback, and Jackson does just that in a passing league out in the Pac-10. I really, really do firmly believe that the Jacksonville Jaguars. Some fans may look at this as the last time we picked a big left tackle from USC. His name was Tony Baselli, and he is a. Uh, a guy who's pushing to get into the Hall of Fame right now and is widely considered to be the best player to ever play here in Jacksonville. Austin Jackson, while not Baselli, is a very solid player. He really, really, when I watch him play, he reminds me of a guy who's a little bit of a developmental prospect, but someone who could really, really play for a long time, like a uh, Tarek Armstead uh, in uh, New Orleans. I, I really believe that he has the potential he has some issues that he has to, to iron out, but those things are coachable. Offensive linemen always need technique help when they get to the NFL. One of the things I'd like to see him do is kick out a little bit wider. Uh, what, the thing that I like about him, though, when he, even when he doesn't kick out wide enough initially, he always seems to be able to make up ground and get his body back into position. And this is the thing about it. I talk about his feet maybe not getting out as quick as you'd like him to get out, and he's going to have to definitely work on that. He won't have to work on his hands one bit because once he gets his mitts on you, you do not get past him. And I think holding those blocks, especially for a quarterback like Gardner Minshew, who wants to buy a little bit of time and play off schedule and move around some, I really, really think a guy like Austin Jackson could come in and, and Doug Marone being the head coach and, and uh, Coach Walk being here, they can get him to start kicking out a little bit quicker and make sure that he gets his technique sound. One thing you can't teach is toughness. The other thing you can't teach is not letting go of people and not getting holding penalties. The other thing you can't teach is being nasty and finishing plays in the run game. And that's exactly what this kid does on tape. Coaches always talk about with offensive linemen. How does he play? Does he play nasty? Does he play with a chip on his shoulder? Absolutely. Can he compete? Absolutely. Absolutely. And does he take pride in what he what he does, especially that position where he's going to be lined up across from big time pass rushers on a weekly basis? Absolutely. That's why I have Austin Jackson being the second first round pick for Jacksonville after they took Derek Brown uh, with the ninth pick. Now it's all about infrastructure at this moment. We'll see what they do later on in the draft.
0: Austin Jackson converges on the NFL draft an offensive lineman at left tackle 6'5, 322 pounds out of USC for going his senior season. His strengths include, well, where do we start? His footwork is buttery, exquisite. He doesn't even turn 21 until May, so he's got plenty of room to refine his body. He's got great genetics. He comes from a football lineage. His grandfather was an offensive lineman for the Trojans who went on to play five years in the NFL, all five of those years with the Green Bay Packers. Austin is durable. He's not injury-prone. Last year started all 13 games at left tackle, earning pass- 12 first team all accolades. Now on the flip side, a legion of scouts feel like he has issues with his balance on the left side of the line. He gets pushed around a bit too much, goes to the ground one too many times, and so those critics instead feel more comfortable plugging him on the right side. He's also viewed as a player who needs to play more violently and maliciously. Those sort of traits, though, appear easily correctable. And last summer, he donated bone marrow to his younger sister, Autumn, who has a rare genetic disorder? It matched despite only a 25% chance of it working. Great guy all around, and Austin is low risk, high reward with untapped potential.
4: And it was an offensive tackle, Matt, not the one we were thinking. Offensive tackle out of USC, Austin Jackson, a really young prospect, one of the youngest prospects in this draft. Along with that youth comes a, a raw but high upside skill set. Came to the combine, 6'5", 322 pounds, 5.07, 40-yard dash. Really has the movement skills, has the size, the length, 34-plus-inch arm lengths that you want in an offensive tackle prospect. I'm sure offensive line coaches really want to get their hands in and mold that raw ball of clay in Austin Jackson.
8: Yeah, and this is sort of like the Dolphins pick in that high upside is fine for me. You're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. I mean, if they hit... Great. I mentioned earlier, I mean, but I meant with Jones, you can move Robinson into guard. So maybe you get better at two offensive line spots. Jackson, like you said, is extremely young entering the league. Um, I don't know the exact details of it, but he donated bone marrow to a sibling. I yeah. think it was a sibling. And a lot of people say it takes two or three years to get back, which would be next year I mean, with, on his timeline for his recovery. So he kind of played... Not 100%, but it wasn't like, boy, he's got an ankle, he's questionable. He had a bone marrow transplant a little little while back. Yeah,
4: interesting story there. I believe it was his sister that he donated that bone marrow to. and So an interesting story there. There's a lot of reasons that Austin Jackson could be a lot better player than he actually showed on the field. He certainly has the athleticism. Certainly has, you know, all the physical tools. He's a young guy with with plenty of room to grow, and it looks like he has the character to go with it. And a very interesting story and background on Austin Jackson, who goes number 20 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're talking about this in the in a few years. He could be that guy that we thought, oh, you know what? He should have been in that top group of tackles because he has that sort of physical ability.
8: Right, right. I mean, there is a very high ceiling there. They are certainly in a position that they can be patient So depending on the makeup of your team, that makes a lot of sense. You know, like maybe if you're the Bucs or uh, I'm not sure who else picks Seattle, he wouldn't be as attractive to you now because you're trying to win right this minute. Or if you're looking for a, a Conklin replacement in Tennessee, that might not be the direction you go. But since you're picking where you are as a rebuilding team, go for it.
4: That's a great point. Yeah, where you are as an organization could really factor in how you feel about some players at these positions. Do you want the high upside? Do you want the the guy who's ready to go right now? Jaguars going with the upside in Austin Jackson. We have not heard yet today from Trevor Sykema and Benjamin Solak. Let's go to the Locked On NFL Draft Desk and hear from Trevor and Ben wrapping up today's action on day three of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft.
2: Hey everybody, Trevor Sykema and Benjamin Solak from the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Back with you to highlight what the biggest surprise of the day was between picks 14 through 20 here on the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. Ben, we gotta start at number 14, right? I mean, Minnesota trading up from uh, 21 to, or 22 to 14 to replace Stefan Diggs with Henry Rugs, oh How about my it? goodness, that's a crazy move.
18: Yeah, and like this is surprising in the sense of nobody's pairing the Vikings with Rugs, or at least not until recently. But when you think about having two first-round picks, when you think about the difficulties of having Adam Thielen receiving so much attention without a wide receiver two or even a wide receiver three to help him, it makes a ton of sense to add a player like Rugs. And Rugs is known for the linear speed. Of course, he's a deep threat. And he's great at it but don't sleep on the route running ability. So he can run not all the routes that Diggs ran. Diggs was a special route runner, but he can run a lot of them, and that's going to allow him to slide into the offense pretty quickly, pretty
2: consistently. The biggest surprise for me is the Indianapolis Colts trade, and we've seen the Colts trade up for Jordan Love in a in a lot of mock drafts that we've read, but never to this degree, right? I mean, this is a team that was picking 13th overall, traded that pick for DeForest Buckner, now trade both of their second-round picks, 34 and 44, to move up to 17 to then take Jordan Love here, the quarterback of the future. So it's almost like a double bonus, right? They're getting DeForest Buckner with what, have been, what would have been pick 13, and now they get Love at 17. That's the biggest okay. surprise to me because it's going to have the biggest impact for a team that was on the cusp of the playoffs last year that really could be setting themselves up nicely for the next years to come.
18: And I will say these two trades definitely surprising. The picks at 19 and 20 also are are shocking to me. A.J. Terrell, the corner out of Clemson, is a third corner off the board. Christian Fulton and Jeff Gladney both still available. And then Austin Jackson. The pick at 20 for the Jaguars, also desperately in need of a corner, pass on those talented players, grab a tackle who's not a top-tier starter in this group. They're presumably now kicking Cam Robinson to the inside. Both of those picks for the Raiders at 19 and the Jaguars at 20 surprised me. Now when you look at 21 through 26, you have players like Christian Fulton still on the board, Josh Jones, the tackle out of Houston, still on the board, Patrick Queen, Jeff Gladney, ton of talent in the 20s for these upcoming selections.
2: Well, tomorrow we're starting off at number 21, the Philadelphia Eagles. You know Ben's going to be paying attention to that. You guys should be too. Make sure you tune in. Okay,
4: Matt, 20 picks down on this mock draft special. Going into day four of this thing, we've got picks 21, starting with the Philadelphia Eagles and ending with pick 26, which is the Miami Dolphins' third selection of this mock draft. Uh, I can't wait. I'm, I'm excited for... Day four of this thing, I think there could be some more shakeups here. And what a fun episode this was. Multiple trades and teams maneuvering to get their guys, which I really expect to happen. There's going to be some movement there in that middle of the first round, depending on all these 32 teams that have different boards. And when that top group of talent starts to dry up on some teams' boards, there might be some other teams that are like, I got to get this guy.
8: Yeah, and kudos to the locked-on team here. I mean, they're getting after it. They're aggressive with their trades, really thinking things through doing the best thing for their respective team. I love it. This has been a blast. And, um, you know, tomorrow will be fun as well. There's a couple guys. I keep going back to Justin Jefferson still being available. Josh Jones, Cesar Ruiz. I mean, there's some quality dudes here that are going to go to some playoff teams.
4: I love seeing 32 different heads making picks for teams instead of one person throwing out a mock draft. You really see some different ideas filtering through, which is really fun and which is how the thing really will go down. So I love it. Looking forward to Pick 21 Philadelphia Eagles are on the clock. Be back tomorrow with day four of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special.